the video that we started out with was titled the resurrection changes everything and i remember quite a few years ago we were working our way through the gospel of luke and we came to the resurrection account it wasn't easter but we came to the resurrection account and i titled the sermon that morning the resurrection changes everything and i distinctly remember halfway through the message just feeling like my words are falling so far short to express the joy the glory the hope the meaning all that is in the resurrection of jesus christ i felt like my words were just falling flat the truth is there are no words that can possibly grip all that the resurrection means amen i mean we we have such a hope but there are no words to describe the implications of the resurrection of the empty tomb of the fact that death has been defeated the grave is empty death is not the final word there are no words that can possibly pierce through but let's begin by asking the holy spirit to help our hearts catch even a little glimpse of the glory of this day so let's pray together Father, we pray for that, Lord. We pray for that. Because Your Son is not dead and rotting in a tomb, but is alive and risen and ascended to the right hand of God the Father and reigning in glory and power. And His life is our life. Holy Spirit, we pray that You'll help our hearts to get a hold of that. Even a small glimpse of what this day means. That our hearts might be filled with joy. That our hearts might be filled with hope. That we might put off the chains, the burdens, the sins that weigh us down and run with this glorious truth. Jesus is not dead. He is risen. And we ask this, Lord, as we go through Your Word, in the name of Jesus. Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 1. Good morning to those who are watching online as well. Happy Easter. Happy Resurrection Day to you as well. And we'll have the words on the screen as well for you to read through. 1 Peter chapter 1, we're starting in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy... He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. Kept in heaven for you. Who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time by god's great mercy we have been born again to a living hope through the resurrection of jesus christ this is awesome news because our first birth did not deliver us to a living hope we were not born to a living hope. We were born to a dying hope. 
We were born, as Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 2, without hope and without God in the world. And the Bible, when the Bible speaks of hope, it is not speaking of how we feel. The Bible speaks of hope as a future certainty, a reality. So, when it talks about hope, it's not saying we were born without feeling hope or without feeling a relationship with God in the world. It is saying this is the bleak, the dark, the desolate reality we were born to. We were born without hope. We were born without a relationship with God. And there could be no darker words possible. No bleaker future. No more devastating words. If that was the final word, it would be devastating. But praise God, amen, this morning, that is not the final word. We can praise God with Peter who said, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed, praise Him. Because according to His awesome, great, lavish, generous mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Praise God that without hope and without God is not the final word. With hope, living hope, and with God in relationship is available to us through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We tend to think, I think, at least I do, I tend to think of the resurrection often in terms of the hope of life after death. And that's right. And that's good. And that is a big truth. But as I was thinking about a living hope, the fact is our lives are comprised of more than just our future. Our lives are comprised of our past and our present, and our future. That's our lives. So a living hope, a living hope has to go beyond just our future. Or it has to reach more of our lives than just our future. Because we are more than just our future. And as I read this, these verses in Peter, I believe that's something he anchors, that the hope we have reaches to our past applies to our present, and it reaches into our future in a glorious way. And that's what I want us to consider this morning. The living hope that touches all of our lives. The completeness of our lives. Let's begin with the past. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we have hope of a past that is redeemed by God's grace. It would be easy to think of our past as being beyond the reach of hope. Because the past is past, right? I mean, what's done is done. We can't change the past. We can change our present. We can change our future. But we can't change our past. It seems to be beyond the reach of hope. It seems to be, in a sense, hopeless. And one of the ways that hopelessness connects our past to us is through a powerful emotion called regret. Regret. Regret is 
if I were to define regret, I think regret is a strong desire that something in our past was different than it is, coupled with the hopeless realization that there's nothing you can do to change that. So regret is kind of twin emotions com combined, mixed together, and it's, it's very powerful. I wish something were different, and it never can be. And there's nothing I can do to change that. Regret takes a lot of forms in our lives. Some of us live with regret. I think we all live with some regrets. Amen? We look back, wish I'd done this differently, wish I did that differently. We all live with some regrets. Some of us maybe look at where our lives are and say, how did I get here? I regret some choices, some paths I took to get where I am. Maybe there's, there certainly are sins we've committed and maybe are committing today that make us wish things were different. And we see the consequences of those sins and we wish we could change it, but we can't. We can't. But you know, some uh, look at the past and they, they see some painful thing that entered into their life. Uh, some affliction, some physical affliction some disability or deficiency or something that they feel makes them inferior and they live with this constant regret. I wish that weren't the case. I wish this weren't the situation. And they live with that like have, hung, hanging over their, their lives. I'm, I'm sure that there are some who are listening to this this morning, some in this room, some who are watching online that you know you have some regret that's that's never far from the surface never far from your thoughts maybe you wouldn't have put it that way but but you you live in the past if only this were different if only that were different if only I hadn't done this if only my father hadn't been abusive if only I hadn't had an absentee mom if only I hadn't lost that parent, that sibling, that friend, far too soon. If only. If only I hadn't done that thing. If only I hadn't said that thing. Regret. Your regret probably looks different than the person sitting next to you, but we all have regret. And then it feeds into many things. Sadness, shame, anger, resentment, bitterness. Dying hope infiltrates every aspect with regret. So how can a living hope extend backward and touch a past that can't be changed? Can't be rewritten? How can a living hope remove the things in our past that we regret? The answer is, it can't. It cannot. Living hope can't go back and rewrite. Living hope can't go back and remove. Living hope can go back and redeem those things that we look back on and wish were different, wish we had done differently, wish had been done differently to us. It can redeem those things for the good 
of our lives and the glory of our God. Verse 3, according to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Those three words are vital. From, from the dead. They speak of the past historical event of Jesus' crucifixion which we reflected on during our Good Friday service. When Peter speaks of these things, he has a perspective that no one in this room, no one watching online, has. When Jesus speaks about Jesus and His resurrection from the dead, He has a very different perspective. He was there. He remembers the night Jesus was arrested and was beaten. He can still smell the campfire as He sat by there waiting for Word and denied Jesus three times. He can still feel the moment. He can still remember seeing Jesus hanging on the cross, blood pouring down as He agonized and died on the cross. He remembers all of this. The sights, the sounds. He remembers the hopelessness He felt the despair over the one he thought was the Messiah dying on the cross, over his own personal loss of this one person he'd grown to love more than any other, and of his own failure to even stand with him. The one who boasted, I will die with you, is the one who denied him. Hopelessness, regret, all of these things that flooded into Peter's heart. He can remember. We can only imagine, but Peter remembers what that felt like. And he remembers that first Easter morning when he heard these women say words that seemed insane. He is not in the tomb anymore. He has risen. Come and see. And if you remember in the Gospel of John, Peter runs and runs and runs to get to that tomb to see what is going on. And he remembers hope suddenly stirring and the clouds of hopelessness and bleakness and despair and regret blowing away from the brilliance of the light of hope, a living hope. Jesus is not dead. Jesus is alive. The resurrection happened because the cross happened. And on the cross, Jesus died for our sins. And the sins of those, and for the sins not only that we commit, but also the harm we receive by the sins of others in our lives. All our brokenness, all our mess-ups, all our failures, all our weaknesses, Jesus died for all that. So as we as Christians consider our past, when you look back on your past, do not stop your gaze at whatever point in your past that you tend to stop your gaze. Continue your gaze looking back to an actual historical event that happened in the past where Jesus died on the cross for you. Your life. All of you. The good, the bad, the ugly, the failures, the sins, the mess-ups, the hurts, the wounds the deficiencies, the abilities. All of that. Jesus died on the cross not 
to remove those things, but to redeem them for His glory. And so what happens is your, those things become a part of your story. They are redeemed as part of your story. Your past is now redeemed as part of your testimony to the grace and goodness of God. The sins, they have been forgiven. They've been washed clean. And you're going to praise God for eternity that God did not hold your sins against you. Your, your areas of sin where you did something that hurt others, God is going to redeem that as well to bring healing to you and to help you to help bring healing to others. And those sins that have been committed against you, as deep as they go, they are not as deep as the wounds Jesus received by men who hated Him. Jesus knows the suffering. He knows the rejection. He knows the sorrow of people hurting Him. It became a part of His story. It became a part of our story. And so God will take even those things. Have you been hurt by someone's abuse? You will become a comforter to those who are abused. See, what your past is a part of who you are. It is a part of who you are and it is a part of the story and the testimony God has for you. And so as we come to the cross, I know this is resurrection morning, but we begin at the cross. We lay all those things, lay all that past down, lay it at the foot of the cross and let the blood of Jesus wash over it and redeem it and cleanse it and renew it and bring it up, raise it up as something new as part of how you will serve Him because of what you went through in the past. And you will be a light for His glory to others who are going through similar things. God doesn't re remove our sins and He doesn't remove our regrets, but He redeems them for His glory. Second point, through the resurrection of Christ, we have the future hope of an eternal inheritance. Verse 4, So we have been born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, verse 4, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. So we've taken quite a bit of time looking at our past, but the reality is hope is, is primarily anchored in our future. Amen? Uh, that's where hope really resides. That is, I mean, it goes in every direction, but it really, it, hope without any attachment to the future is really not much of a hope doesn't do us much good. Um, if you think about it, most of the things we fear are in the future. Most of the things we dread or worry about are in the future. Even most of our dreams. Most, and here's why. Because we are created as future-oriented beings. Did you know that? Did you know that? We are created as future-oriented beings. We, we live our lives bending towards the future. I know there's, uh, there's, there's, there's a saying uh, to seize the moment, live in the moment. And, uh, and I think there's so much truth in that. There's, there, I agree with that. In, in some ways, we want to treasure the moment. We can kind of be... So I totally agree with that. I get what they're saying. But in another sense, the moment is a very hard thing to seize. Have you ever tried to seize the moment? Because here's the problem with seizing the moment. I want you to seize this moment right now. Okay? Here's the problem. 
this moment that you seized is no longer this moment. It's now that moment. It's in our past. And what I just said, that moment I just said that, that's in our past now. Like you, you don't have, we really can't seize the moment. As soon as we, it's like sand going through the fingers. And the reason why is our lives bend and flow towards the future. There's no stopping that. And that's why the resurrection speaks such a brilliant hope, a living hope to our souls. Through faith in Christ, we have a living hope that there is an inheritance in our future that can't rot, it can't defile, it can't decay, it'll never lose its punch, it'll never fade in its power. And it's waiting for us in heaven. Actually, no. It's not waiting for us in heaven. It's being kept for us in heaven. It's not sitting in some corner, you know. It's being kept by Jesus Christ. It is being kept by the Lord for us. He has us in mind. And He's going to make sure nothing happens to that inheritance that is waiting for us for all eternity in heaven. Our living hope is an inheritance. But what is an inheritance? I want to get our heads out of thinking things, okay? I'm sure there's going to be amazing things in heaven. Amen? Amazing things. I've heard the streets are paved with gold. So, I don't know. Uh, I don't know what things will have in heaven. But that's not where we want our hearts to reside because that's not the the riches of Christ that we look forward to or that we hope for. Inheritance speaks of family. And the beautiful truth is, through Jesus Christ, we are children of God. And we are co-heirs with Jesus Christ. All that belongs to Him belongs to us. We are family to the Lord. Our inheritance, I think one of the great moments of our inheritance is not going to be when God says, hey, here's all the stuff I have for you. It's going to be when we hear the Lord Himself say, welcome home. Welcome home. As we leave this earth, which is the only home we've ever known, and we find ourselves hearing Him say, welcome home. And we will realize it is the home we have always longed for and never quite had in this earth. It will be the home that in our best moments we feel a little glimpse of here. But it never we, it's elusive. There's always a longing. There's always something missing. There's always... And there we will find the home with perfect love, perfect acceptance, perfect freedom to love, perfect sense of belonging. We're not going to be like a guest in the kingdom of God. We're not going to be uncomfortable guests like walking down to the kitchen in the morning to make coffee in someone else's kitchen. You ever, you know that feeling? 
No, it's going to be your kitchen and your coffee. Amen? And by the way, there will be coffee in heaven. I am sure of it. Home. Home. An inheritance. Our living hope is an inheritance. But Peter writes that inheritance is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, which tells us something else that's really awesome about what awaits us because it wouldn't do us much good if our inheritance was imperishable, undefiled, and unfading if we were perishable, defiled, and fading fast. And so what we hear and know is that because Jesus raised from the dead, we will rise again as well. We will be raised up in imperishable resurrection bodies There will be no perishing, no defilement, no fading, no weariness, no sickness, no weakness, no frustrating limitations in our resurrection body. Words fail. What will our resurrection body be like? What will it be like? Actually, we don't know. We do not know. Not exactly. We know they're going to be a lot better than the state, the original state of Adam and Eve. Okay, don't think, okay, we're going to be restored to Adam and Eve. Nuh uh. Uh-uh. The Bible never says that we shall be like Adam and Eve. The Bible says that we shall be like Christ, for we shall see him as he is. We will be like Jesus, but there's an awesome mystery in that. Listen carefully to what John writes in 1 John chapter 3, verse 2. Dear friends, now, now we are children of God. And what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like Him. For we shall see Him as He is. We didn't get enough time with the resurrected Jesus to really know what that resurrected body is going to be like. It hasn't yet been revealed what we will be. But we will be what Jesus is and what Jesus will be forever and ever. Oh, don't get me wrong. We won't be deity. We won't be God. But the resurrected body that Jesus, as man, raised up in, you know He's going to be in that body for all eternity going forward. He is never going to leave that body. God, the Son, will spend the rest of eternity in a resurrected body and we will be like Him. If that resurrected body is good enough for the Son of God, the Creator of all things, the Holy One, it's going to be really good for us. Amen? It's going to be pretty awesome. That is a living hope. And nothing and no one can take that hope away from us because it's being kept in heaven for us by God. That is living hope for our future. 
Finally, we have a living and confident hope that we are being guarded by God. Verse 5, who by God's power, that's us, we, by God's power, are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. There's going to be a lot of revealing going on in the last time. Our inheritance is kept by God and we are guarded by God. Do you get the feeling God really wants to make sure we get to our inheritance? He does. He wants to make sure the inheritance is there and we get there. So it's being kept by God and we are being guarded by God. Hallelujah. Do you know your life is being guarded by God? Being guarded by God? The readers of Peter's letter were suffering incredible tribulation and trials. They were suffering persecution. And I'm sure that there were times when they struggled with their faith. Are we going to make it? Are we going to make it? Does God even know we're here? Does God even care? Do we really have hope? And Peter writes this to them to make sure they know no matter what trials you go through, your inheritance is being kept by God and you, brother, sister, are being guarded by God. Peter assures them, God has it and God has you. He's going to bring you together. John Piper in his book, God is the Gospel, shares the story of a Nazi concentration camp filled with prisoners who were horribly mistreated. But one day, somehow, one of the prisoners is able to smuggle in a shortwave radio. And a couple of weeks later, the Nazi guards see an unexpected sight. Nothing has changed, but everything has changed. The prisoners are walking around with smiles on their faces. There's a sense of happiness in the camp. Though nothing, nothing has changed. Every now and then, one of them lets out a whoop and throws a tin plate into the air. And the guards are mystified. What has changed? Nothing has changed. Except one thing. They've heard news. The Allied forces are just a few miles away and will soon be setting them free. And that good news that hope changes everything before it changes anything. That's where we are. We have a living hope. And we are being kept guarded by God. Here's the, uh, here's the truth. Life is messy. Amen? Life is messy. Our lives are messy. We, we do things to get ready. Church, we put our best and happiest face on. <clears throat> but life gets messy. We fail. We fall. We sin. We blow it. Husbands and wives argue. Sometimes even on the way to church. I see one shaking his head. No, but I'd like to talk to his wife later. <laughs> we do. 
We argue. Sometimes even on Sunday mornings on the way to church. And then what do we do? We get out of the cars like, good mornings, everybody. It's good to see you. Moms feel frazzled by demanding kids. We lose jobs. We get sick. We feel discouraged. We lose loved ones. And in all of this, our hope gets dented and banged up sometimes pretty bad. But into this life, with all its mess, heartache, sin, failures, longings, Peter in these verses smuggles in a shortwave radio that tells us hope. Hope is coming. And God is guarding us till we get there. It lights up our lives with hope. It makes all the difference. The resurrection truly does change everything. And part of that hope is that God is with us and guarding us and keeping us. I want to ask the band to come back up. We're going to close by singing that song, Living Hope, again. Living Hope, ah, it's more than just the future. It redeems our past for the glory of God and for our good. It assures our eternal future. Nothing is going to take that away to the person trusting in Jesus Christ. And it's guarding us here and now. And all of this through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. All of this is ours because that tomb is empty. Praise God for that. All of this is ours because death is not the last word. Resurrection is the last word. Jesus Christ is the final word. The Alpha and the Omega. All of this living hope is through the resurrection of Jesus Christ that we celebrate. So as we close this morning, I just want to say, if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, if you've never received Him as your Savior, this would be an awesome morning for you to ask Him to come into your life, cleanse you of your sins, make you new, and give you hope, living hope of eternal life, yes, but more than that. As we pray, if that's where you're at, I want you to just pray and ask Jesus to be your Savior. He is ready and eager to come into your life and be the best friend you will ever, ever have. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we love you so much. We love you so much. We needed you so much. We need you today. And we thank you so much. That tomb is not closed with bones in it. It is open and empty. And we thank You for that, Lord. Jesus, we thank You that You are risen, that You are glorious, and that, Lord, You love us so much You're actually praying for us and interceding for us all the time. Thank You for that. Now, Lord, I want to pray for that, that person who maybe has never received Jesus Christ into their lives as Savior. And I pray that this morning that You might roll away the stone of doubt might roll away the stone of fear. might roll away the stones of sins that they want to hold on to or distractions or thinking that the world has all they need and want. That you'd roll away those dead stones and you would give them a glimpse of the living hope that can be theirs through faith in Christ. I pray that they will lift their eyes and they will say very simply, Jesus, I believe in you. Be my Savior. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. 
Give me eternal life as a gift. I want to follow you as your disciple for the rest of my life. Amen. Let's stand together and worship our Lord.